Welcome to Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is Joe Mark Duro. I'm here with my friends Brad Brown and Jonathan Haves. We are coming to you live from Four Stream Studio, bringing this podcast to your drums right now. What's going on, everybody? Four Stream Studio. It just sounds so official. Very official. That was definitely the most radio intro we have ever had. <laughs> Bring it. Bringing it to your drums <laughs> right now. Yeah. That was love really it. good. Yeah. You're kind of a natural. I mean. Have you thought about radio? Pro no? over here. I'd love to. What do you mean, has he thought about radio? He's doing radio. We are, <laughs> Is this true. not real this radio? Is, how, how do you define radio? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Is radio Somebody even real anymore? Somebody reach out to Reg from Birmingham Mountain Radio if you're listening right now. Call me. Give me a call. <laughs> These people talk to your people. He's definitely listening, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm the only one out of us, though, that would be capable of pulling off a morning show. Both Ooh. of you guys would have to be an afternoon drive time. That kind sounds of thing. horrible. I get exhausted just <laughs> listening to radio in the morning. Yeah, Jonathan, you could definitely get up. Those guys get up at 3 a.m. That is ridiculous. Morning, so oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. You could definitely do that. And I'd be happy about it. I'd right. be like excited, be excited to talk to people <laughs> at 3 a.m. in the morning. But anyway, well, we got any announcements this week? We do, John Mark. One very important one. And I just want to go on record right here at the beginning saying that this announcement is about to be the most beautiful announcement I've ever heard. Go ahead, John Mark. No pressure. Okay, Saturday, October 17th at 6 p.m. in the SVCC parking lot, we have a women's worship night happening. Beautiful. It's yeah. going to be awesome. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a speaker. It's just going to be a good time uh, to get outside. You can bring your lawn chairs, your blankets, bring some food, show up early, show up at 530, eat, have a good time. Maybe see some people you haven't seen in a while. It will allow you to be social distance out in the parking lot. Um, it's going to be great. So that starts at, get there at 530. Worship starts at 6 if, this Saturday. October if you 17th. have kids, leave them at home with uh, yeah. with uh, with your husband, with, the, with their dad, or uh, yeah. leave them with Brad Brown. Yeah, drop them off. He, he will uh, entertain them for the entire time. May or not, may or not, may or may not be at the house, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Uh, but now, beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Please come out. Um, you can actually RSVP if you'd like on the Realm. That's also available on our website. You can get all the information at shadesvalley.org. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, why don't you introduce what we will be talking about today? Why, thank you, Brad. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to be official radio now. Yeah, we, this is when we would go to a break for <laughs> advertising. We should make a fake advertisement at yeah. this point. We, yeah. need, we need a sponsor. Does anybody in, in our listenership, any small business owner out there, want to sponsor our, our program here? VeggieTales? Is that <laughs> still going? Yes, we could. Maybe not a bad idea. A, yeah. lot, of, a lot of podcasts have sponsors. Yeah. So. I mean, you can right. sponsor us for you know a quarter and... You, we'll be taking in more money than we currently. Exactly. <laughs> Just All right, you heard it here. You first heard it here first from Four Stream Studio. Oh my goodness! Next, we're gonna have a Patreon page with special Four ed- Stream edition. Studio Shades Midweek, brought to you by Verizon Wireless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, but seriously, so what we figured we'd actually launch into a conversation about today. Uh, is our values here at Shades. And and here's where this is coming from. There's obviously a lot of things that we value at Shades, but over the years, 
we've taken a whole host of language that's been used to express what we value at Shades Valley Community Church as a part of the the culture of Shades and and how we want to approach life and ministry and 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 church together. We've taken that and we've tried to give it uh, some specific language uh, to bring expression to, to that which we value most. And so we have three values uh, that uh, we, we, we flesh out to really try and um, uh, summarize, I mm-hmm. guess is the word I'm looking for, summarize Yeah, the, the, the values that lie at the heart of Shades Valley Community Church. And the reason that we thought we'd start talking about these is because we actually started doing this last week. So our three values are messy authenticity, spirit simplicity, and four stream unity. And uh, we'll explain what all of that means. But if you listen to last week's podcast, you know we spent the entire time talking about the four streams. And if you didn't, you got to go back and listen now. Yeah, <laughs> Right, to. right. And so I'll just read really quickly the summary on our website about what we mean by four stream unity. Uh, uh, it says, our body is made up of four diverse streams of Christian tradition, orthodox, evangelical, liturgical, and charismatic. We believe this diversity is a good thing, and we would actually be less without one another. For such diversity keeps us humbling ourselves before one another as we learn from each other and point one another to Christ, who is our unity. Christ-centered unity is the goal, not me-centered, comfortable uniformity. So last week we talked a lot about what the four streams are, and this is just simply giving expression to one of the central reasons we value the four streams at Shades, because we value unity and diversity, diversity and unity, not uniformity. So that's one of the values that lies at the heart of Shades. But since we spent all that time last week talking about that, when we thought, what if we went on to talk about our other values? So Give an episode to messy authenticity. Give an episode to spirit simplicity. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to launch out into trying to explain what we mean when we say we value messy authenticity. Yeah, Jonathan, so why don't you start out by maybe just talking a little bit about what we mean when we say messy authenticity. Well, Brad... Actually, why don't one of you guys, I mean, I, I think the easiest way to launch out would be to do the same thing I just did with the four stream unity. Just read uh, okay. our description of messy authenticity. And then we can kind of start cracking it open. You want to read it? Yeah, I can read it. This is like when I'm in class and I get called on to read. <laughs> All right, here we go. Me- messy authenticity. You already messed it up. <laughs> Sorry. Jonathan's bringing back. My fifth grade teacher. Listen, you threw me the under the thing. bus so hard last week. I owe you, do you some. Wanna, Jonathan, do you want to talk about it, Brad, since we mm-hmm. have so much messy I, authenticity I, here? I would love shades. to talk about it. Maybe we can just talk it out. That's what we're quick. doing. Just we're be real and honest. We're you know, illustrating messy. messy. <laughs> All right, messy authenticity. That was much better. We want to be open and honest about who we are in our brokenness so that we may have real, deep community with one another. Such community tends to grow slow and be messy. It grows slow because it takes time for real relationships like this to develop. We do not just want to be a large crowd of disconnected people, but a real community. Such community can also be messy as we are sure to hurt one another along the way. But this gives us the opportunity to not be easily offended and withdraw, but actually learn what it looks like to give and receive grace and forgiveness. It gives us the opportunity to live in step with the gospel. That was beautiful, Brad. Thanks. I was really nervous about messing up. 
But if I did, it would be okay. Yeah. That's right. We would we would take it as an opportunity to live in step with the gospel and extend, you know, grace and forgiveness so you could receive it. Exactly. See? So, so yeah, um, I think the easiest place to start is just to start with the, you know, authenticity, the word authenticity, because that's, I mean, honestly, it, it kind of became a buzzword really in Christian circles, at least in the circles that I have run yeah, in throughout totally. my life, you know, over the past, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years or so, uh, became a buzzword for how we wanted to describe uh, the type of community that we wanted to be as a church. Um, and, and I think it became a buzzword because a lot of people were reacting against what they perceived as inauthentic community that they grew up in. You know, you, you grow up in a, a church environment where everybody has to pretend like nothing goes wrong in life. Everybody shows up in their quote unquote Sunday best. And we all look like shiny plastic people to quote the casting crown song. Oh, um, <laughs> deep cut. Going back to our CCM app. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so we're all, you know, just kind of this idea that church people are fake and mm-hmm. they're fake with one another. You don't get past, uh, surface level relationships. So the word authentic and authenticity started just becoming this buzzword and we don't just want it to be a buzzword. We want it to be more than that, which I think is why we add the adjective messy to it. So, mm. but, but what we mean about being authentic is we want to be a real community, not fake, not mm. false. We want to be open and honest about who we are in our brokenness. That's what the opening line of the definition says right there. And I think that, I, I don't know, you guys can speak to this uh, as far as your experience is concerned, but I, I think in my own experience and often in the experience I hear articulated by others, this is one of the first things they talk about when they talk about why they like shades or are attracted to shades it's not necessarily the the preaching or the songs or the whatever or the facility even or whatever there's something about the community and usually it has to do with words where people are like people are real here or they're open or they're honest and i think that specifically goes uh or, or it's coming from the place of people are honest about their brokenness yeah people don't act like they're fine Mm-hmm. And I don't know that was attractive for me, um, both in seeing that reflected in the body, but it was also attractive for me because as I went through the interview process uh, eight and a half years ago, um, wow, <laughs> um, that it was something that was expressed to me from the search team was that I, as a pastor, and my wife uh, would not be expected to be perfect, that Mm. we could be open and honest about our brokenness. And my experience at Shades has proven that true. Wow. Like that it hasn't just been lip service of, oh, you get to be a normal person here, Jonathan, but that that I actually can be open and honest about my brokenness. I have a a story to share about that in just a minute, but Mm -hmm. I want to let you guys talk first about your experience of this and whether or not this uh, is, is something that was kind of one of the first things that showed up in your experience of shades. Yeah, totally. Uh, my first thought is definitely to go to the service and to think of two things. One is just the openness that exists in the back half of the service that we talked about in the last podcast, the four stream unity. 
um, the charismatic stream, if you will, having this openness where people can come up and share from the mic about what God's doing in their life. And from that, there is a lot of vulnerability and a lot of honesty about brokenness and not just brokenness in the past or struggles in the past or doubts that are in the past, but rather, I mean, I saw people get up and say, I'm going through something right now and I'm not okay. (laughs) Even though we're in the midst of worship, even though we're together. And then to see uh, someone from the congregation go up from the mic and be like, oh, hey, can we pray for you right now? And then randomly other people from the body would gather around and pray. It was so powerful. It gives you the sense of like, wow, these people actually know one another <laughs> and, and and care for one another. And this person's vulnerability wasn't met with silence or gossip, but rather it was met with um, compassion and prayer and others being like, you know what, I'm going through the same, the same things. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and this bleeds over into what we'll talk about next time with spirit simplicity. But I think another piece of this with our service is just the fact that our service is not what you would call professional. (laughs) Never been accused of that. You know, um, finely tuned is not something that you, you hear a lot when people describe our services. So, I mean, we have a lot of awkward pauses. Um, there are times where, uh, the slides just are on nowhere near the same page is what's happening in the service. Um, Sometimes that's because of what we talked about last week with our, our charismatic uh, right. worship leader right. playing yep. stuff that the slides yep. people exactly. weren't prepped for. Yeah, exactly. That no one was prepped for. Yeah. Yes. It happens. Yep. Uh the announcements, you know, sometimes with the announcements, it's it's not this very neat, finely tuned. Uh, we don't do this as much as Shades anymore, but in the past, the person giving the announcement would go, okay, um, does anyone else have any announcements? <laughs> anyone want to stand up and, and up give an announcement and, or something? And say anything. But I think what that communicates is that although uh, Shades takes Jesus very seriously and takes worship seriously and takes the gospel seriously, we don't take ourselves extremely uh, serious. And that's not only in the service with announcements. You could also go to our social media page. Just go to our Instagram. You will see <laughs> we do not have any uh, a full-time social media person that is uh, uh, managing our Finally presence. Finally articulating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our presence on social media. That's not there. Uh, we're, yeah, we, we're very goofy. But I think that communicates, hey, this is kind of who we are. We're not trying to be cool. Yeah. We're not trying to be, I don't know, overly formal or, or take ourselves seriously. I think yeah. that communicates. Yeah. I was going to say the one exception to all of the things you just said is obviously this podcast where we are incredibly <laughs> professional. Yes. Not goofy at all. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> right. 100%. Yeah. Yes. I think what, what you're describing, Brad, we've talked about this before, but it's just that living room feel that everybody talks yes, about. Yes. That's good Shades language. Yeah. And, and, so and and it and it comes down to like the way the room is set up where we're actually at least recently we finally got back to our original setup in the room which is like this semicircle and then it's a completed circle with the stage with the band everyone can see each other worshiping and it just the the whole vibe of the service from the lack of you know great transitions and and all of those things creates a more living room vibe and so I think 
considering the way that we do our services that way, I think that bleeds over into just the community life here at Shades. Even just little things like people sitting against the wall. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I'll see a pair of shoes. I'm like, why is there a pair of shoes in the middle of the sanctuary? (laughs) Yeah. Or at the beginning of the service, people are talking. I mean, one of the reasons, not the only reasons, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons we have a call to worship at the beginning of the service is because everyone is talking to each other so much that it's like, okay, people. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're officially beginning. We're officially beginning, but that, but that's great. And then we're kicking people out the door on the way out. And I think all that kind of communicates uh, that, you know, we're here, we're family, we're going to be yeah. ourselves, and we're not just putting on a church face. Yeah, I think in any family, you, you're you striving for authenticity. You're striving to have, when you sit down with your family, you want to have real conversations. You want to know what's really going on in everyone's life. And so I think that the church family, I, I think, represents that. Uh, in a lot of ways here at Shades. so Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think often, well, first, I want to say, as as we talk about these things um, and, and the different things in the service and this uh, the community that we love and appreciate here, the authentic community, I want to say we're not talking about this in a way of bragging on ourselves. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> speak for yourself, but... No, or, no, yes. Yeah, Continue. Or, Very or, good. Or of trying to take credit like, oh, you know, since we showed up, we've created like this is something that has been evident. I mean, people that have been at Shades for 20 plus years. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about how this has been just part of the work of God here yeah. and, and part of something that he has graced Shades with over the years. And it's something that we each feel privileged to be a part of. And to participate in. And so I just, I, I want to make that clear. Like, uh, I think that sometimes when we get into conversations about our service or different things, like I can feel, of course, I feel guilty about everything, y'all know, but, but I can <laughs> Tell feel. Tell us more about that. I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can feel like I'm being self-congratulatory. And I just want to be clear, like everything we're talking about, we believe is a gift of God and something that he has done through his grace uh, throughout the history of shades and we're we're privileged to to be a part of it and I said I would I would mention a personal experience of it yes uh, as a pastor and and that is um oh man I forget how many years ago it was now but several years ago uh, during Advent we did a series uh, called why so downcast on my soul and it was one in which we talked a lot about anxiety and depression and I was able to share about my own experience, my own struggles with depression. And not only that, but in the context of that, I shared from the pulpit during a sermon on Sunday morning the fact that I take antidepressants. And like that's the kind of thing that at certain in certain settings, like you either couldn't admit that, you'd be scared if people found mm-hmm. out in your congregation, mm-hmm. or you might even feel like you might lose your job yeah. you know, over that. Yeah. But yet that's something that it shades I can talk about openly and and talk about my experience with it and how I think that fits theologically mm-hmm. with God's work and and those kinds of things. So that that's just a big thing. Like just for me as a pastor, I, I too can be open and honest mm. about yeah. the brokenness in my life. And and yes, obviously there, you don't just want to get into every gory detail of every amount of brokenness you've ever had or ever experienced, you know, in front of an entire group of people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think what you see in kind of that big context of shades 
remains true and gets deeper as you get into closer knit relationships. So like the closer relationships that I have or y'all have or whatever, like allows you to get even deeper into that vulnerability and really open up about things that maybe, you know, it's inappropriate to give all the gory details about to just a room of strangers or whatever, but you can give all the gory details to the appropriate people within the body or who can help you or counsel you or what have not. So Holly and I have been much more, I mean, we're vulnerable about the fact that, you know, there I sound self-congratulatory again. We're vulnerable. <laughs> um, but uh, about the fact, like, I'm honest, that, that, you know, our marriage isn't perfect. We have marital struggles, all of those kinds of things. But getting into the nitty-gritty detail. Wait, Jonathan, you have marital struggles? I know. I know. It's it's <laughs> oh, shocking. Man. We're going to have to talk about that afterwards. <sighs> um, <laughs> I don't have any struggles in my marriage. Oh. I don't know. But about John Mark. But yeah. while that's a general uh, way of talking about it, there are people within the body that have counseled Holly and I that we've been able to get really nitty gritty mm. specific with. Wow. And be like, here's what's going on. Help us, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, sorry, I just blabbed on about that for a second there. No, it's beautiful. And that, you know, talking about uh, outside the service, I think our community groups do a great job of creating these safe environments. I can remember. I mean, that sounds self-congratulatory as the person who who's heads the community up the- group person. <laughs> Let me just say, our you know the guy that's over our community groups has done a phenomenal job. Love him. He's such a great guy. I could talk about him forever, oh, but I think think we're gonna fire him. I don't um, <laughs> but our community group leaders, not the person over community groups, but our community group leaders, I think, do a great job of yeah. creating these safe environments. You know, sometimes I'll I'll talk to people. Uh, from other church. And I'm just curious. I'm like, tell me about the community groups at your church. And I can remember one person telling me, uh, you know, I, I love the group and I love that we get in the word, but it's just a little robotic. Like we walk in, we sit down and the person's like, how is everybody? Good? Good. Okay. The first question from the reading, what does happen in, you know, verse one here in this text? And then someone responds and the person goes, good. Okay. Two. Like, and while we value getting in the word and talking about the word in all of our groups, there's also a sense in which um, we value fellowship in this deep way, not just sometimes fellowship. I feel like that's a word that's maybe like not great to say anymore. We think not, maybe fellowship hall or Baptist word. But I mean... Uh, Authentic fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think like Acts 2, uh, 42, where... the uh, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. Fellowship, they're like koinonia. It's this, it's this deep sharing of everything in our lives. And our community groups, I think, value that, okay, we are here to open up the word. We are here to hear what God has to say to us. We're sensitive to that. But we're also here to be honest about what's going on in our lives, the struggles that we have. One of the ways that that specifically has played out in for me again as a pastor is i would say that 50 to 75 percent i'm making up statistics but i think that they're accurate 50 that's dead on that's dead on 50 to 75 percent of the counseling that i do um comes via our community groups and what i mean by that is either the and there's already been pastoral care happening by the time it gets to me you know, but a lot of couples like uh, couples or singles or whoever, like the reason they end up coming and asking for counseling is because they've been encouraged to do so mm. by their community group or their community group has been walking alongside them. And then I get invited into the process with them. Yeah. I mean, I would say that at least half, if not more than half 
of of my counseling engagements come that way, you know, yeah. and that's just I think that's just a testimony to the pastoral care side and that authentic side of of what the community groups are doing together. Mm. So shout mm. out to our community group leaders. Yes, totally. So, well, kind of to transition a little bit um, into d- deeper into this conversation, I think as as we've sat here and we've described what we mean by authenticity and the fact that that's one of the things that a lot of people are first attracted to, you know, or say they're first attracted to. One of the interesting things that I've observed over my time at Shades is that while people say, man, I'm attracted to the authenticity I see, that's the kind of community I want, there are people that actually end up running from it. Mm. And I think it's because of one of two things in, in, in the situations I've observed. Either, first, they want it until they experience it and actually feel how messy it is. Hmm. And and hmm. that messiness, they're, it's kind of like that thing I want from afar until I have it. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, this is what my wife would say about owning a pet. <laughs> I want it from afar until I have it, you know, yeah, kind of it's thing. It's so cute in the pictures. Yeah, authentic community. I want it. It looks so great. And then I get it, and it, it poops all over the carpet. And <laughs> there's yeah. just crap everywhere. You know? yeah. It happens in community. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But then the other thing that I've experienced uh, happening is people will be attracted to authentic community, but they'll leave very quickly, say within just a couple of months, and they'll be like, yeah, I just... I, I didn't get it like, mm. like I, I wanted it and I was trying yeah. for it, but I didn't get, I didn't get the deep community. I didn't get the whatever. And, and here's what I think is happening with that. People are looking at community that's been developed over an extended period of time. So I, I mentioned people earlier who've been here 20 plus years. We've, we've interviewed some of them. We've interviewed yeah. Grace and Park and, yep. and I think it's really easy to look at, you know, the, the Kittingers, the stall cups, the, the Walskis, the Grants, the like it's easy to look at families that have been here for 20 plus years and go, that's the kind of community I want. But the problem is there's only one way to get 20 year community, and that's to be in a place for 20 years. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. it. Mm. You know, uh, I, there's only one way to get, uh, you know, 50 year depth of marriage, and that's to be married yeah. for 50 years. You know, I, there's yeah. no shortcut mm-hmm. to that. And, and I think that. That's that's part of the problem, uh, and and we say that in our statement about messy yeah. authenticity. We say that this kind of community, this kind of authentic community, tends to grow slow. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, this uh, this language about authentic community growing slow, this was part of the language that I encountered when I was on my way into shades that I really loved and resonated with, mm-hmm. because most churches the goal is to grow fast and to kind of explode overnight. You know this. The statement says we don't want to just be a large crowd of disconnected people. We want to be a real community. And and that means it's probably going to grow slow because it takes time for those real relationships to develop. And and I'll tell you, like, I think that the people you see uh, or the people we see at Shades that have the deepest, realest, most authentic community are the people who stick it out and stick around for, for the long haul. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, when I first started coming to Shades, that was something that I noticed right away was a lot of the people here that had deep roots here, um, and it was a little intimidating in some ways, yeah. like being newer and trying to come into the community. And a funny story that I'll that uh, 
always think about was this one time Ashley and I were leading worship. This was like really early on, like within six months of us being here. So we didn't know everybody very well, obviously. And uh, we were getting ready for sound check. And I remember uh, Jeff Stalkup walked up and we didn't know him that well. And we were up there and then Joseph was up there too. And he just, he didn't say anything to us and went to straight, like went to talk to Joseph and Ashley was like, that was rude. (laughs) 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 But I say that to say it was just so funny because now, I mean, I can laugh at that now because I've been here for seven years and you know, we, we love the stall cups and we hang out with them all the time. And I've, and I've told Jeff that story before and we get a good kick out of it. And so, um, I think it it has to develop over time. There is no overnight success to to that, um, to cultivating that sort of deep, authentic community. And so you have to be able to dig into a place and will, be willing to stick it out. I've been to churches where it's very easy to just kind of show up on Sunday you can kind of blend in with the crowd, be invisible. You get your experience and leave, and you don't have to worry about any sort of awkward conversations. You may not have to meet somebody and, like, dig in because maybe you have community outside that church, and that church kind of becomes, like, an experience for you where you don't have to uh, seek out that community. But Yeah, I can remember uh, being in high school, and my youth pastor was talking about marriage, and he said... Now, my wife and I love each other, but there are times when we don't like each other. And my high school brain could not wrap my mind around that. I was like, man, I think they have some real problems in their marriage that they need to think through. Um, But, I mean, I think the same thing with community, that um, there are times that we do not like each other at Shades Valley. What are you you talking about, Brad? Well, I've got a list of names right here that I really (laughs) wanted to go down. No, but I mean, if you know, if you haven't, if you haven't been here long enough to really start to get irritated with people, then <laughs> I don't know if you've been here long enough to uh, feel this deep sense of authentic, real community. I think I could be wrong, but I think it was Grace Wonski in the back half of a service got up one time. And I, I call these these Mama Grace moments where she's just as like the church mom talks to all of us. I, I love it. I love it. It's so good. We all need it. Um, and she was basically just saying like, hey, this community is a mess and you got to stay in the mess, you know, and if you're going to enjoy the fruit, you got to stay in the mess. And she just kept saying that, stay in the mess, stay in the mess. And to go back to that word fellowship or koinonia, this, this sharing and belonging, there is something... Uh, that happens when you stay with a group of people, even when you don't like them, even when they irritate you. Um, it, each season, staying together, bearing with one another, serving and loving, de- loving one another, laying down your rights for one another, that even though you have differences of opinion on so many things, even though you're in different life stages, even though you would look at this person and say, I don't think this person's ever going to be my friend. Um, it, it is amazing um, through not only committing yourself to one another, but also um, in your mutual love for Jesus Christ, the love that the Holy Spirit creates be- between you two. And it's something that, yeah, like Jonathan said, only time can create and something that only the Lord can create. But in a culture, I think, that values 
um, at times church shopping or maybe a church buffet where you kind of go around and pick the best of, of everything. Not sure what that would be at Shades, but um, I think community. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, staying in one one spot, especially when there are so many options, mm. um, is something that takes a lot of courage um, and a lot of perseverance. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think about the fact that we talk about, and I don't mean we shades. I mean the church universal. We we talk about the church's family, right? And I, I think, man, if I'd had the option with my family growing up to every time I got annoyed, I could just like shop and get a new one. I mean, I, I would have been hopping family to fam- no, no offense to all my siblings and my mom and dad. I mean, I love you, but it's a great thing. We were yeah. stuck together. It's true. You know, it's true. And, and we mm. got to, you know, have a, I had share a relationship with my siblings and my parents that I would not have shared, you know, had we not been mm. <laughs> bound yeah. to, together. Yeah. And, and I, I want to, you know, offer a quick caveat clarification. We're not saying that there is no reason that you should ever leave a church, you know, just mm. like we would say, okay, not every family unit out there is, you know, it's not always a great thing that you're stuck to. There are real right. things like abuse. There are real things like, like yes. where people need to get out of situations totally. um, in homes. And, and and same thing for within a church, false teaching, you know, abusive leadership. Like, like there are real reasons that you would leave a church body. Mm-hmm. But my family growing up, when I, I praise God for it. Like I, I had a healthy family, but that did not mean that it wasn't hard. And there weren't Damn. times where we really didn't like each other and got on each other's and all of that. And the same thing for a church that is a healthy church and that really is pursuing Jesus. He's still going to have plenty of reasons, quote unquote, yeah. to leave over totally. the years. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about when we say stay in the mess. We're not saying stay in the mess when there is a legit reason you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, but we're saying like, I mean, it's so easy to get upset over whatever reasons or to not have to work through the difficulty of forgiving someone who's hurt you and all of that, you know, that's the mess we're talking about staying in. I remember the first time in our relationships, you know, uh, individually, I remember the, I remember the first time John Mark and I got irritated with each other. Mm. Like it took a while. It was yesterday. Tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't take that long. It didn't take that long. No, it's I, I 30 seconds ago. I don't remember. I don't remember the specifics of what it was, you know, and John Mark, uh, for all our Enneagram folks out there, John Mark's a nine. <laughs> so John Mark's very peaceable. So mm, yeah. y- you got to work hard <laughs> to upset him. And, and apparently I had. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but we were in disagreement about something. And I think it was on a Sunday morning, and I think both of us were running around and stressed with our separate responsibilities, and I was pushing for something and all of that. But we got frustrated with each other, and and our relationship, that was hard. It wasn't fun. Neither of us enjoyed it. We still don't enjoy it when we get frustrated with each other. Sure. But it brought our relationship to a new place, and mm-hmm. it brought us to a new place of openness and honesty, a new place of forgiveness, a new depth of love like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that with you guys working together over the years for so many years. You know, that's it's very different than if the staff was just changing every one to two years. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, I mean, ministers, uh, the average stay for a minister at a church is typically very brief in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things, just Mm -hmm. a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And 
that doesn't allow you as a pastor to to get to a depth, uh, a place of depth with the community. I, I tell yeah. people one of the reasons I've wanted to pastor in a singular location for my life is I, I want to be with people when their children are born. Uh, when those kids grow up, I want to do their weddings. I want to see them have kids. I want to walk with people through their later years. I want like that's in my mind how you get to that place of of that deep, authentic community. So yeah, all right, totally. Well, John, it's interesting you say that. As you were talking, I don't know why this came into my mind, but I've thought about times where um, in certain denominations, well, really maybe just one denomination that I can think of, the minister rotates in certain areas of the denomination every like what two to three years yeah every couple it's it's kind of like military life yeah yeah at times i confess as a minister i'm like oh that'd be amazing (laughs) tell you what you know be there for two years and then you know shake the old dust off the shoes and go on to the next place new people um but i mean that's I, i that's wanting to escape the conflict and the confrontation that's not wanting to deal with the mess, which and is so, not what we're accusing the United Methodist Church. We'll just be honest. Well, I didn't say it, Jonathan. <laughs> I spoke very vaguely. That, that's not. And what we're I didn't accusing. say that was happening. You I was said one denomination. <laughs> that's not what we're accusing them of doing. We're saying that would be our motivation. I'm saying that when I fantasize about leaving Shades Valley, that's what I'm talking not about. That bus feel backing up. Over <laughs> <you>. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, But I I say that just to say, like, I think that's a normal part of being in a community, of of having those thoughts. And to have those thoughts is not to say that you need to leave or that there's necessarily something wrong. It's just a part of bearing with people. And when you stay in it, um, that's when the growth comes. Yeah. To bring it full circle, it's (laughs) saying about the church community what your youth pastor said about his marriage. Exactly. I love, I love this church community, but there are days I don't like it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, I, I said not that long normal. ago, uh, in a service that, um, not every day is easy, but I'm thankful for every day. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I'm as a part of this community, you know, and, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what I was trying to communicate there. Mm. Well, I think with the last portion of this conversation we'd like to have is to venture into a little bit deeper into what we mean by messy and the messy side of things. Um, because you know this community, it, it it to get to authentic community, we've said it grows slowly because you want to get into those real relationships, and we've said that's messy. So, just would like to unpack that a little bit more. But before we do that, just for fun, for kicks and giggles, as it were, Brad just laughed at the way I said giggles. <laughs> um, to, and I just giggled. Um, to uh, we thought we'd do something fun during this episode, and so what better thing to Jonathan, do? Jonathan, never intro it by saying we're going to do something fun. All right, guys, you guys ready for some fun? <laughs> All right, fellas, I'm going to be the Say grandpa hi, of the group uh, right you now. You guys ready for some fun? It's like saying, "Hey, listen to this funny joke." You never want to set it up like that. All right, Brad, intro it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about sports, right? Sports break. Sports. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I just scared did not, did not expect that. Did oh. not see that coming. It was good, though, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah I mean, sports I, break. I think we, we have to start by talking about the Braves, right? Now, y'all may know that I'm the biggest Braves fan in the room. I'm just kidding. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Brad, I think you know more about the just, Braves than probably anybody else. I could else. talk about the Braves all day right now. That's it. I don't, like, I don't like this fun thing anymore. It's not fun. I quit. Jonathan, all right, no. you've got you've got the space. We've given you the permission. Talk to us a little bit about your Braves. Listen, none of us in this room are sports analysts or experts at all, which is why it's funny that we're doing a Shades midweek sports break at all. Sports break. Yeah, yeah. This goes perfect with our, our radio intro. Just, fan, just a couple fans. But, yeah, so for those who don't know, um, and I don't know how I could make it any more obvious, I'm just a little bit of a Braves fan, Atlanta Braves. It's it, it, Major League Baseball is the only sport that I follow in any sense. Yeah. And really, I even within that, I really only follow the Braves. Um, baseball crowd. Yeah, now we sound like the, the, the stadiums crowd. have all year. Yeah. yeah. The empty stadiums <laughs> right. with the pre-recorded the fake, sound. Yes. Do you ever forget that it's a recorded sound in the stadiums? Oh, I have a million times Yeah, yeah. while watching times. it. We're, we're getting used to it now, I, I think, know. unfortunately. Yeah. But, hey, so, so well, before we just kind of go all over the place, I'll come back to that. Um so for those who don't know, we have officially entered into – so Major League Baseball had an abbreviated season this year of 60 games. A, yes. 4,000 games. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 60 abbre- games. Sorry. Abbreviated <laughs> season. It's normally 162. Um, but uh, we're into the playoffs, and my Braves, my Bravos, have made it deeper into the playoffs than they have in 19 years. Woo. So Come on. They are in – Talk about staying in the mess. Yeah, they are in the National League Championship Series, which is the series that you play in to get into the World Series. So if they win best of seven against the Dodgers right now, they will be headed to the World Series, most likely to face the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm. On the American League side of things, you got the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros, and so best of seven over there, and the Tampa Bay Rays have won three games in a row. So they only got to win one more. And the Astros haven't won at all. Um, so they only got to win one more, and they will be the American League representative in the World Series. Uh, the Braves have won two games in a row. We are undefeated in the postseason right now. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so we've won two games That's a little scary. in a row. The the Dodgers have not won yet, so we win two more, and we go to the World Series. Wow, so close. Yes, so I'm, I'm getting excited, but our weakest link is our starting pitching, which our pitching has actually been phenomenal in the postseason. But a lot of our starting pitching got injured throughout the, the season, the biggest link being our, our ace, Mike Soroka, was out for pretty much the whole season with a torn uh, Achilles heel. So yeah, that may be our Achilles heel, um, <laughs> so quite literally. Mm. And so the reason it's going to play a factor now is because this is the first best of seven series. And so the deeper we get into this series, the more it's going to show that we have a weakness with starting pitching things will start to tilt a little bit more in the Dodgers' favor. So even though we've won two in a row and we've done so great, we're not out of the woods yet, but I am hopeful. Yeah, I mean, historically, Atlanta teams, I mean, you know, you, you have a good track record. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so t- you although, should be okay. <laughs> although the Braves won the World Series in 1995 when I was 11 years old turning 12. My son Levi is 11 years old turning 12. So, oh, wow. so I'm going with that. For it's history, all for you. It's it all is. Me. It is. It's a great baseball story. So yeah, I definitely watched the Braves back in 1995, and last night I watched the Braves for the first time since 1995. So that <laughs> so, was fun. So it's your fault is that any, we almost <laughs> lost last is night. Has anything saying. changed? They don't have the same players anymore. Really? <laughs> they, yeah. Chipper Jones is they still playing. They don't have him. Right? They don't have Andrew Jones is still they don't playing. Have Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, uh, right? John Smoltz. Though, was was announcing. Javi Lopez is still playing. Though, fun fact. Bobby Cox is coaching. Oh, my word. Fun fact, uh, Freddie Freeman, 
our first yeah. baseman, who should he be hit the home run last. He night. should be the National League MVP this year. He really mm. should be. But uh, he played with Chipper. He was a really young guy when Chipper was an older guy on the team. Oh wow! And in the postseason, I don't know the how the story originated, but somehow he ended up wearing uh, a T-shirt of Chipper Jones's with number ten on it underneath his jersey during the postseason. And he has worn it ever since. So he's still wearing that every postseason. And and you see him in postgame interviews with this T-shirt on after he takes his jersey off. And it literally is just the neck of the shirt. And like it's all and like a little bit of it hanging out. It's all holy and like like the shirt is like rotting away. But it's pretty amazing. But it doesn't matter. Because they're winning. That's right. So anyway, so yeah, that's probably enough about baseball. We've officially lost our entire yeah. tens of listeners. Yeah, yeah. So well, I any guess sports? Any sports going on that you guys are interested in? I'm not a huge basketball guy, but uh, LeBron won. Yeah. <laughs> Title number four. The Sorry, Lakers. I was laughing that you said LeBron won, not the, not the Lakers. LeBron. Uh, I mean the Lakers. The Lakers won. Uh, yeah. LeBron and Anthony Davis. He's he's really good too. He's yeah, on, yeah, yeah. He's, he plays for the Lakers too. Um, LeBron won his fourth title. I watched three. Di- he's won titles at three teams now. Yeah, that's pretty insane. That's probably a record. Pretty impressive. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, that's a record, right? But that was that was an interesting series, though. I thought the Heat would maybe get it, you know, force another game, but uh, the Lakers just came out and destroyed them the other night, and it was over really quickly. Yeah, they were up by what thirty at, at one time? at one point. They were up by I think thirty six points at mm. one point. It Sounds was like a, a really interesting game to watch. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what you want to see. I watched zero of those games. Um, yeah. So I watched a little bit of that, and I know that college football is happening right now. So we're that's right. We are what. Well, with the SEC games, we're three games in right now, three weeks into SEC play. And Alabama played Ole Miss this past weekend, and there was a combined 1,300 offensive yards and over over 100 points scored. That's like a Madden football game, (laughs) like a video game. There was no defense whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there there hasn't been a – I mean, I don't guess there's a whole lot going on. I think the Big Ten's about to come back. Mm. They're about to start playing in a couple of weeks. Uh, I just saw today that the Florida Gators have 19 positive uh, tests from coronavirus on their team. Oh, my gosh. Is that the, They're going to have to cancel their game this week, and they're supposed to play LSU, which is like redo a big it? rivalry. Or is it? They have a week where they can reschedule it, so they're trying to figure that all that now. But, yeah, the, I would, the logistics yeah, I would not want to be in crazy. charge of, of those logistics. When John yeah. Mark first told me about that earlier, Brad, he said Florida has 19 <laughs> positive COVID cases. And I was like, I don't think that's right. I, I think there's more than that in the whole state. <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention, too, is that if you want to watch, if you're into watch, uh, watching gruesome injuries on the oh football boy. field, oh, uh, uh, type in Dak Prescott. The Cowboys. Oh, yeah, oh my the gosh. Cowboys quarterback. Nope. Um, nope. Just ruined his ankle this oh, past I Sunday. Did. I saw it's, that. It was so it was bad. heartbreaking. Yeah, he was. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It is heartbreaking because you're you know at that point that your season's over. I mean, yeah. when it's something. Yeah, that, I, mean, I mean, he was choking bad. up going yeah. into the locker room. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know what else to talk about with sports. 
I well, don't know what else is going on. I think we covered it all. You know those twenty four seven sports break uh, sp- uh, that was, sports channels. Yeah, we just. What were you going to say? We just showed them how to do it. Is there golf happening? Hey, what I was the, just going to talk about Masters. Well, I was just going to talk about being a Falcons fan. Okay, and, let's, let's and how do great that. it's been. <laughs> so I'm an Auburn football fan when it comes to college football, and so because I hate myself so much. Why don't you Why don't you talk about that, Brad? I'm also a Falcons football fan. So, yeah. you know, ever since the Pats came back in the Super Bowl. Oh man. We were we were How up many one. years ago was that? Was it like 21 to 3? Was it, it was something insane. Oh, it was real bad. It was bad. And Tom Brady <laughs> with his bone structure and all <laughs> just came back and just slowly just picked us apart and you knew it was going to happen. Every Falcons fan, I don't care who you were, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And you, it was twenty-eight to but, three. But you didn't turn off the TV. The, the you, Falcons you just kept watching. You know, what was I'm, it? The Fal. Listen, I'm looking at the box. I'm score starting right to realize now. why you didn't want me to call this segment fun. <laughs> the uh, the score was twenty-eight to three. Yeah. And the final was thirty-four to twenty-eight. Just <laughs> they scored thirty-one unanswered points on the Falcons. You cannot make that up. If that was a movie, everyone would be being like, "Okay, that's okay. It's not that's realistic. not going to happen." Yeah. So. Anyway, but yeah, Dan Quinn and the general manager got fired after an 0-5 start. So where did the Falcons go from here? I don't know. Probably not to a good place. <laughs> yeah. Just judging our history. So yeah, they're having, yeah, they're that's having it. trouble. Patrick so, Patrick you know. Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is still killing it this year with the Chiefs. Oh yeah. He's just destroying it. Yeah. I it's think fun that, to watch. I think my early prediction is Chiefs in the Super Bowl potentially versus the Packers this year. That's my early, wow. my, my way too early prediction. Five okay. games into the NFL. You heard it here. Chiefs versus Packers in this year's Super Bowl. Okay. Because you're a Packers guy, right? I mean, I'm not like a not like I am an Auburn fan. Um, I, I enjoy the NFL more for the players than I do for the teams. But I guess if I had to choose a team, I'd probably go Packers uh, because Ashley's family's from Wisconsin. So. That's right. Do you all have a cheese hat? No, we do not. Did we, you just say a cheese hat? Jonathan. Yeah, cheese it's it's cheese called head. a cheese head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you totally <laughs> called it a cheese hat. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's a hat. No, I grew up watching the Packers and the Cowboys because my dad yeah. was born in Wisconsin but grew up in Texas, so those were his teams. Well, the Cowboys was, I guess they still are America's team. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if they really, if that's still a mm. thing or not. It was definitely Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith. It was definitely a thing in the 90s. Mm. Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Mer- Michael Irvin. Yeah. Deion Sanders. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Sports break. <laughs> da-na-na, da-na-na. Is there anything else? E- I don't know. A- I don't know. I think everyone's just fast forward. They're just like, why are you talking about this <laughs> right now? Yeah. Well, actually, this is their reaction know, right here. I don't know what, what's happening. Oh, there it is. Because we're done. Because it's over. Because <laughs> it's over now. We just talked about it because we wanted to illustrate how this community can be messy. And <laughs> and we talk about how things... And that, boring. <laughs> but you got to stay in Sports it. Sports break. Stay in the mess. Yeah, so we'll just kind of conclude. Talk. I mean, we've really already been talking about what it means to be a messy community or to embrace messy authenticity. But, yeah, what we mean when we say that the community can be messy is that if you stay in it like that and you are real and open and honest about your brokenness, then you're going to get hurt. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna happen. 
yeah. along the way. It's it's impossible not to. And I think that sometimes when people think about authentic community, they can think about it in an over-idealized way. There's a fantastic quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer that I would totally share with you right now, but contractually, Brad is the only one who's allowed to share Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes. I've got a trademark. So would you like to share what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about when you have an over-idealized picture of what you think a community should look like? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Bonhoeffer, you're putting me on the spot here, Jonathan. Sorry, I, I was trying to give enough contextual clues as to what quote I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the one where uh, Bonhoeffer says that he who fantasizes about a perfect community instead of loving the community on the ground uh, ends up destroying the community on the ground because he's constantly got this uh, dream-like, not-real fantasy community in his mind that he wants to exist. And so instead of actually sacrificing and loving, he just envisions, oh, if it could only be like this. Something along those lines. Yeah, and that's what I meant earlier when I said I think that sometimes people can come in to Shades and they're attracted to authentic community because their idealized idea of church community is it's authentic it's yeah. vulnerable it's it's it's, it's kind it's of the instagram shades if you will yeah, yeah yeah and but then when they experience it sometimes they withdraw from it because it actually is messy yeah like we we hurt one another along the way but the beauty of that i mean that, that's inevitable in any human relationship totally you can't yeah. avoid it yeah but the beauty of that is it gives us the chance to practice what we preach to mm. practice long suffering with one another, patience with one another, actually having to show each other grace and receive grace. You know, w- one of the things I've I've I think that is commonly lamented. I promise this is going to connect. Um, <laughs> one of the things that's commonly lamented, I think, right now, is the um, what Christian discourse looks like online. Mm. The ungraciousness of Christian discourse, how how Christians just kind of go at people and, and will digitally slit people's throats, basically, and I've chew been, one another I've out. I've never seen any Christians do that, Jonathan. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, but yeah. I think that one of the things that has contributed to this uh, situation is that we have not had to practice giving and receiving grace within our church communities. Mm. Yeah. And so we have totally. become a people who don't know how to give and receive grace. And that's leaked into our public discourse because we don't practice it in our private discourse. Mm-hmm. You know, when I am able to say something in this community offends me, I don't like it, or someone has offended me, I'm just going to go over to another community that, you know, agrees with me or affirms what I think in this particular situation or whatever, becomes an, uh, an echo chamber. You know, we we don't know how to bear with anybody. We don't know how to be patient with anyone, to to show grace to one another. So I actually think that practicing this in community over an extended period of time can turn us into more gracious people with others in general mm-hmm. around us. Totally. I know. You guys got any thoughts on the benefits of staying in the mess of community or maybe even an illustration of how you've experienced that uh, here at Shades. What one one example I can give real quick while you guys are thinking is um, 
there have been two times in my time here at Shades that Holly has called the elders um, and called <laughs> called the elders to be like, hey. She sends a pigeon, by the way, when that happens, <laughs> just to let everyone know about the protocol. Um, but to, to, to be like, hey, uh, you know, Jonathan is is working too much. He's he's neglecting his family, you know, or, or what have not mm. um, or, or uh, uh, for whatever reason. But but I encourage that. I'm thankful for that, you know, that that she has a place that she can go to and, and, and other leaders she can call to hold me to account. And that's messy. That's not fun. I don't mm. enjoy it, but it's been good for me and for my marriage you know, and to have leaders who are willing to wade into the mess, you know, with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, uh, the moments that come to mind for me are times when members in the congregation have, whether, rather through an email or coming uh, into my office and just sitting down and talking with me have expressed, uh, something that I've done that's, uh, either offended them or something an area that they feel like I have neglected and I always receive it really well. And to be clear, this happens weekly. This happens weekly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not true um, to any of what I just said, except for the people coming to my office. Um, but often it's done, often it's done graciously and it's done respectfully. And I am at first like, how dare they say that I've ever done anything wrong in my time here at Shades Valley? Um, or maybe sometimes it's a more intense conversation. And I think, I don't know if this relationship is going to be able to recover from this. But the beauty of staying in the mess is seeing the relationship recover. And the beauty is when I take their words, when they're said with conviction, but also out of kindness and love. I mean, you just know when it's that that's coming and it's not just anger. But when I've been able to receive those words, the Lord has used it to not only humble me, but also for the good of Shades Valley to show me blind spots that I didn't see. I needed the body. I needed others to come to me and to express how I had hurt them or how I had done something wrong. And so not only am I better for it, but uh, our relationship is, is, is closer. And once again, we've already said this, so I'm, I'm getting repetitive, but I think to have that, it just takes time. And so, you know, I think of when people uh, go through membership at churches, so often I think churches, they want people to know that the church is serious about discipleship, but the church is serious about community. But sometimes they can talk about it in almost kind of this marketing kind of way of like, come in and like discipleship is going to zing happen and community is going to zing happen when we plug you into these three things. And I think if the pastor is being honest, they would say something like, okay, with our community groups, um, you know, you, you might find a community group and connect very quickly. It could take five years. You know, you're going to be here for five years and it's going to be really hard. You're going to struggle. Maybe some doors are going to close, but then the Lord's going to open up something and show you. But yeah, it's probably going to take that. It might be longer. It might be seven years. You know, like <laughs> no one's going to say that. And I'm not saying we should, but I think in my experience in the church, that's just the reality on the ground. And so just being, being willing, once again, not to say there's never a time that you should leave a church, but just being willing to sit and to put yourself out there and to trust that the Lord is doing something, even when it seems like nothing is happening. Another thing we say at Shades is that the miraculous is happening in the mundane. Mm. And I think that's true in our relationships. And so trust God 
don't have this vision of community that you come to Shades and go, okay, I need you to fulfill this. Rather, come in saying, Lord, show me what it means to be a part of your people. Show me what biblical community is, because we all need to have our vision, the fantasy that we have, meet reality, and meet, more specifically, God's reality. Yeah. I think that uh, everything we've said here, I hope, not I think, but I hope, that it's been helpful uh, in explaining what we mean by the fact that we value messy authenticity. And, and if it wasn't yeah. helpful, if it wasn't helpful, you can be authentic and email uh, <laughs> midweek at You can email Brad at shadesvalley.org. Yep. Yep. Set up a meeting to, and, to and let us know how you really feel. Any, did any, you hate the sports break section? Any, yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Any four-letter four words? Your mind? Any four-letter words? Go ahead. <laughs> Insert him. Do you have words of comfort for Jonathan after he was made fun of for calling it fun? Yes, exactly. No, exactly. I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable. That, that hurt my, no, I'm just kidding. We'll talk about it. <laughs> well, anyway, we do hope that this has been a helpful conversation and that you understand a little bit better what we mean by messy authenticity. We hope it's something that you value at Shades. Or if you don't go to Shades, maybe that this is something uh, that's given you some language to talk with uh, others in your local church community or if you're visiting shades you know hopefully this has given you a better picture of what we're inviting you into so thank you so much for joining us for this episode of shades midweek and we will see you 